Gentlemen, welcome to episode 423 of WTFTFW, the podcast that comes out in fits and starts, but that is recorded with perfect eventude. Joining me today for some more eventude is Seth Buzzard. Hello. Seth, welcome to some Sunday eventude. Hey, how's your holiday weekend going? Pretty cool. Your American holiday weekend. It ain't bad. I know Canada. Canada took back Labor Day as well. We added a U to make it our oh, own. Oh, you got it. Yeah, oh, we, right. we have one. Yeah. Labor Day. Labor Day. Um, we're recording on a Sunday again, as uh, Seth uh, is having a time at work. Oh yeah, everyone and, keeps uh, quitting. Yeah. On Friday, I worked thirteen and a half hours. So that would have been perfect to record a podcast right afterwards. Yeah. I got home around 9.30 at night. Hey, Seth, what do you think about Transformers? Uh No. I think my boss needs to hire more people. (laughs) I think they need to pay the people better so they don't quit. I'll pass that along to Michael Bay. Uh, no, we we had one. We had a guy come back on Friday. He didn't. He wasn't there the whole day. He came in pretty late. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's great that he came at all because we needed every help piece of help we could get. Um, yeah, he didn't show up until like five. But you know he wasn't officially supposed to start until Wednesday anyway. So the fact that he showed up at all is awesome, and so. He had worked there before, so he didn't need to be trained from scratch. Just sort of shown what was new, and then he was able to just jump straight in. But then we have a fresh, brand-new guy on Wednesday, and then they're supposed to be looking at two more guys to start a couple weeks later. But um, two weeks ago, we were supposed to have two guys start, and neither one of them showed up. Oh, good. And that happened the last time somebody was supposed to start. He didn't show up. And then the last guy that did actually show up uh, left after three weeks. He just, like, it was break time. He just grabbed his stuff and left. <laughs> like, didn't say anything to anybody. And then on Monday, this last Monday, a guy decided that he had had enough. And he just grabbed his stuff and left in the middle of the day. So... <laughs> It's it's been rough. It's been a rough one, let me tell you. Those guys are not contributing very much to this podcast. Let me tell you what. Yeah. Uh they're, they're also giving they're also not making millennials look good. <laughs> yeah. Everyone from age zero to thirty five, seek out these men. Have a talk with them. Yeah, teach them about doing a job. No matter how much it sucks. My favorite thing I heard about just doing the job came from the Four Exposure Twitter, where someone trying to get someone to make free music for them uh, said, upon being told that the musician wanted to be paid for his time, uh, that's what's wrong with your generation nowadays. Sometimes you just got to do the job, whether or not you get paid. And uh, that's that's been one of my new favorite phrases to drop on people. 
Oh, that was definitely one of the things that we all did in the 90s as Gen Xers. We were constantly doing stuff for free mm-hmm. just just to be good sports about it or whatever they thought they were supposed to be doing. Yeah. No, I mean, for, for generations, humans have, have done work for free because it's the job. Payment only got invented in, like, the 1980s. I read about this. Yeah. No, I remember. I was a little kid. My dad was like, can you believe it? They gave me money Yeah. to sell those refrigerators. No, I I was able to just – I was I was able to, to have memories. I was forming memories just at the tail end when I was like – I remember my mom came home one day and was like, hey, do you know what they started doing? They started paying us. Like we don't we don't have to steal anymore. We don't have to mug the neighbors. So I don't know. People don't know how good they got it. That's what I say. Yeah. We don't know how good we got it here in the world of Transformers, where th- there's like nothing I want to talk about in the <laughs> on the front page. We're gonna do new pick picks. We found some stuff, but uh, I I had I had one of those moments. I know that you you and the other guys sometimes have them. I don't have them as often. Because usually I can think of something stupid I at least want to say about a front page news item. But I don't have them as often because I'm a better podcaster than you guys. Because I have a degree. That's why I'm on all the shows. Because po- I'm so much better than you guys. I'm cool. I, I, I have a degree in podcastitude. And a, and a degree in oration from Dusty Rhodes. In podcast oration. Seth, I want to talk about briefly in, from my new picture pick. That we found a previously unknown G1 Scorponok color scheme. Uh oh. And the main thing I want to say about this: a, it's always cool to see something new that relates to G1 because that's becoming a more and more rare occurrence. But also, these colors totally match up with those Euro G1 uh, predators, all those jets and things that Machine Wars uh, pulled from for like Machine Wars Soundwave, who was the one that wasn't a jet, uh, and uh, like that that kind of like very sea foam green and that that kind of caramel brown um and the neon green uh pinpoints and accessories there 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 was a scorpionock done up entirely in like predator colors and i think that looks really neat uh i would have liked to see one in person um because it seems like he would make for a good like centerpiece to a collection of those euro g1 toys um it's kind of kind of a cool color scheme on him um at least to me uh but have you uh you got any thoughts on this on the on his his bright green ramps? Well, yeah, it's that crazy Euro colors. I'm more interested in where these pictures were found. Yeah, like how has it gone so long with being previously unseen? And I mean, it it's been seen. I mean, the photos were taken of it, but where were these photos all that time? Mm-hmm. How were they unearthed? Like, I'm more interested in where the pictures came from than the actual pictures, in a way. Yeah, the uh, like the pictures came. The source was uh, the Space Bridge and Transformers at the Moon, um, which are some, if I recall correctly, UK based uh, folks who have unearthed a lot of other you know G one relics and previously unknown things before. Um, the only quote I'm seeing that would help is that this this quote this awesome alternate deco may have at one point been a consideration for the Italian market via distribution through GIG under license from Takara directly in 1987. Uh, now, the, the, now you know the the G the G one part the nineteen eighty seven part especially that's the bit where I'm like man this maybe predates the predators it makes me wonder if some of the predator color schemes maybe pulled from the same color palette as this unreleased Scorpionok or I don't know but 
yeah, there's there's no like real super solid source I've heard about where this came from. It just uh, was found by the folks who tend to dig this stuff up. It's really nice. Like it's pretty high res the photos for something that's not been seen before. Yeah. Well, I suppose they all could have been in development at the same time, and maybe there was a concept of a matching color scheme for all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it re- it's like it's like now I really wish we could go back and somehow talk to folks who were working back then who would remember any of this to see if there was a direct link. It's just because the the color scheme is so in line with the predators, uh, and, and or at least that you know the Decepticons of Euro G one that I I, I really want to know if there is a tie between the two. Um, so if if you know if you're someone out there who's missed this news item, go check it out. It's it's cool to see bits of old. G1 just kind of get revitalized in this way now and then. Uh, also, I also liked how I saw people reacting on like Twitter with like, oh my god, this bright green, neon green Scorponok, and I heard that before I saw the pictures, and I went and looked at the pictures, and I was like, y'all gotta calm down. It's not a bright neon green Scorponok. <laughs> he has horns and two ramps that are bright neon green. Unless I'm somehow really damaged in my cones and rods like seth are you hiding something from me is this guy actually just bright neon green and i i can't see it am i neon colorblind i cannot confirm nor deny oh no i'm sworn to secrecy oh no you're in on it i signed a piece of paper that said anytime vangelis asks about what color things are i just gotta go with whatever he thinks it is and not not clarify anything in particular shadow government uh anyway that's my new picture that looks blue sure yeah what kind of blue do you think it is whatever kind you think it is i I thought it was an aquamarine wait a second yeah it's aquamarine damn it uh seth your new picture pick is not quite as toyetic but it certainly is pretty exciting exciting uh, yes. Um, from the Transformer 5, Planet of the Earth. Um, the Last Night. The, oh, they didn't go with the original title? No, I wish it was Planet oh. of the Earth. That would be pretty great. <laughs> would have satisfied something. Yeah, they really blew it. Um, Transformers Last Night. Uh, there's going to be a King Arthur in it. I guess we already heard there was going to be a Merlin, and the fellow that is being rumored to play King Arthur is the guy who plays King Arthur in other things. Uh, namely, so, Once Upon a Time, a very, Liam, huh? a very good television show, probably one of the best television shows ever made, Once Upon a Time. He was in a TV show, Once Upon a Time? Once Upon a Time, he wasn't a TV show. Uh, It was called Once Upon a Time. See, I was like playing like I didn't know. And I I, I was playing like when you were saying Once Upon a Time was like, Once Upon a Time, there was a TV show and he was in it. See, I was trying to use a tone that where we could keep doing this who's on first thing for like another 10 minutes if you really wanted to. Yeah, but the the last time you said it, I thought I couldn't find another way to play into it. Sometimes you got to be able to just pull, you got to be able to call curtain on the scene. Well, I'm I'm sorry I don't take uh, fancy pants, highfalutin improv classes like some people. Yeah, 
I'm sorry. I, I'm not talented in that way. I'm not, I, don't, I haven't had training. That's what I'm here to do, all right? Bring some class to this discussion podcast about the Transformers live-action movies. Liam Garrigan is probably a classically Liam trained actor. Garrigan. Yeah, it seems like a lot of classically trained actors and Shakespearean actors and fancy actors end up playing really corny stuff. Mm-hmm. Like all the aliens in Star Trek. <laughs> it's kind of great, though. <laughs> Especially when they, they often confine it to those alien characters. It means the aliens yeah. all have this sense of gravitas. Yeah, so it, it's kind of weird that... It, it's like we're gonna have King Arthur in this movie. Okay, that's already weird because there probably was never a King Arthur. It's like an amalgamation of medieval stories. Uh, I was reading a thing. I think a lot of it is based on like Spanish lore too, huh. if I remember right. It was a while ago that I read this thing, breaking down like the origins of Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Um, but anyway, so. Then to just cast a dude that already played that part, it's kind of weird. <laughs> like, my hope. Lazy. It, it feels lazy. My hope is that it is part of a grander scheme to tie Once Upon a Time into the live-action Transformers mythos. Because that would only enhance the live-action Transformers mo- uh, movie mythos. I mean, was there planning behind it? Or does Michael Bay just think King Arthur is an actual person? And he's, he's so like, well, when they, they wanted to use King Arthur, he thinks that this actor from this show is King Arthur. You got to hire King Arthur if you're having King Arthur in your movie. You know, then, I guess that's true. Maybe Michael Bay does actually think that this guy is King Arthur. And he's like, hey, let's get the real thing. Yeah, let's let's splurge. Let's get the real King Arthur in here. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got a Merlin in there. who has got a big beard and he's, he's got a transformer stick. So, yeah, they're doing something. My only thing, right, is because I've seen some people going like, hey, maybe this will be fun. And it's like, okay, listen, realistically, these guys are all going to be in the film for about five to ten minutes at the start and maybe at the end. Uh, But I would like to eat crow and put shoes in my mouth and watch a film where King Arthur and Merlin you know, where most of the film is them in modern times fighting alongside the Transformers and doing things like, ah, oh, what is this horseless carriage? Or, you know, getting spooked by telephones and television. Well, first they're spooked by the horseless carriage, and then the horseless carriage turns into a robot man. Yeah. Like, I want to have uh, man-at-a-time stuff with them. And then I want Merlin to eventually leave the movie in a way that then ties him back into Merlin's re-arrival in Disney's The Sword and the Stone when he shows up in, like, a Hawaiian shirt. Or can it tie into that episode of the G1 cartoon where Merlin makes gunpowder out of seagull poo? I would be up for that, too, but I find that less exciting than tying it into Sword in the Stone. Like, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be excited, just on a lesser level. Um, it's, yeah, but I'm sure you're right that it's going to just be the opening bit, like the way the dinosaurs were the opening bit in the last movie. Yeah. And the moon landing was the opening bit on the previous movie. 
Like, it's cool that, like, there's something about movie news, on-set movie news at that, that I actually find interesting. Because nowadays that's some of the most boring stuff for me to, to hear about, where it's like, an actor was spotted, or, you know, even worse, this car was spotted. It might be a robot. And it's like, it might be, but I don't know what the robot looks like. So this does nothing to help me feel anything about the film. Yeah. So, like, at least there's a piece of news where I'm like, oh, King Arthur and Merlin. Like, that's got a level of, of interest to me and a level of intrigue that I, I hitherto did not expect to uh, to feel about a piece of live action movie news. Um, I, I, would, I would love it if this was something bigger than an intro piece. Yeah, well, it's like, is it going to be that sword prime got in the last movie is Excalibur <laughs> that does like crazy mass shifting, like the way the, the all spark mass shifted and the stone that Arthur has to draw the sword forth from is like the head of a Decepticon or something like that. I would be way that into fell that. to earth after traveling through space for thousands of years. You're going to ruin the movie for me, Seth, because you're saying all these <laughs> things that I want to see. I want I want it to be ridiculous like that and then also have time travel. And then Merlin's stick transforms into a moped and he scoots on off. <laughs> yeah. Puts on some shades. Goes, Good job, up. bro. <laughs> He's like, Good job, as they say in modern times, bro. Now you are king of the Britons, bro. Fist bumps <laughs> and scoots on off. It just turns into one of those hoverboards, not the real hoverboards, but like the foot skateboard hoverboards. Yeah, I'm going to go make the explosives out of seagull poo later. <laughs> I'm not actually magic. I just know how to do a little bit of science. I, oh, God, I would love it if this could actually happen. I would love it if at some point someone in this movie actually just straight up says that line someone always says in a movie like this or a story like this where someone's like, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology is basically magic to an ancient civilization. Yeah. Like, I want Mark Wahlberg to say that to somebody while they're looking at Merlin's staff or something. Just for no reason, Chris Helmsworth is there and he says it <laughs> with his Thor voice. You know. Like, from Australia. His phone's in. Oh, did you see that? Speaking of Thor, did you see that silly video that they put out showing what Thor was up to? I did. During Civil War. That have was you, pretty good. Have you seen uh, What We Do in the Shadows? I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. So, I only I recently rewatched that with Kryn, and had recently rewatched it earlier, and then I see that thing, and then I had missed the part where the director, or one of the directors of that film, is the director of the next Thor film. So that oh. that bit was made by the guy who who co-directed what we do in the shadows. Cool. So I'm like, I know that Marvel Studios won't let this happen, but this is all setting me up for like, what if they turn Thor into the mockumentary film series of the Marvel films, where instead of being a big action movie, it's all done in the style of that short and like in the style of what we do in the shadows. I think it's going to be a big action movie, though. I do too, but God. if they're doing some Planet Hulky stuff, yeah, like it will probably be... be more humor in it. There'll probably be way more humor than Thor: The Dark World or whatever that last one was called, which I still have not watched because it's kind of not great. I don't feel like I want to. It's weird because I like the first Thor more, like way more than Captain America: The First Avenger. 
but like the, the second Thor movie had like it, it like calc it, it was a perfect scientific calculation of how to make me uninterested in a movie with Thor in it. So well, the 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 thing that bugged me is it, it's a it's a problem that a lot of the Marvel movies have, where the villains are just sort of there. Yeah, and you don't really spend any time with them, and you don't really get a sense of what they're about. They're just the problem. Yeah, and like the dark elves look really cool. They designed really cool costumes for them. They have these like creepy white face masks. They look neat, but it's like they're barely even there. <laughs> the fact that none of the movies since then that Thor has been in seems to have done anything that makes me feel like I missed something has like just made me move farther and farther away from actually watching Thor 2 because it's like it feels like work you know like it feels like it's work I have to do rather than you know oh I want to it doesn't I don't feel eager to fill in that gap and like I look at oh who's the villains of the film Malekith the dark elf and like I like you said I'm sure I'm sure it's actually you know well designed stuff but like the description of it just makes me feel like I'm going to watch a high fantasy style thing, except that it's not done by people who I prefer doing high fantasy stuff. So I don't know. I got to watch it someday, I'm sure. But I'm way more interested in this new Thor movie with uh, with uh, Taika Waititi at the helm. I would really like it if he actually works the guys from what we do in the shadows into the world of that movie somehow. Again, I have no the, idea how. The vampires? Yeah. Or the actors? The, the vampires. <laughs> I want them to be like characters in it. I want them to be characters in something. <laughs> so I want to see more of the more of their escapades. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, by the way, dear listener, what we do in the shadows is what is one half of the best vampire movie ever. The other half is called uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. As far as I'm concerned, those two films are in the same little world and they complement each other beautifully. So check them out. Um, I really like the werewolves. They were yeah. <laughs> We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah. And uh, the guy just showing up with pants for anyone who's turned into a werewolf. He's like, <laughs> you know, he knows, you know. It's the first thing you're going to think. Damn, where are my pants? He's got pants ready to go. I finally watched the deleted scenes for that for that movie yesterday. Uh, the, the, oh, the, I didn't see any. The deleted scenes are great. Like, there's, there's a lot of, like, a couple of them are expanded versions of scenes that were, like, five-second gimmick scenes in the actual film. Oh. And then, like, there's, like, a whole funeral for for uh, for one of the characters, which is really funny. Um, there's some expanded gags. There's, there's a whole bit with, like, the fresh vampire who's, like, gone around just biting, like, everyone he meets, he ends up biting and turning into a vampire. And so he like just come he comes back to the house with like five people who are all vampires, and then the main guys are all like, We don't we don't want just like vampires showing up and living in our house. Like they have to find their own place to live. <laughs> and the guy's like, Oh, I thought this was like I thought this is a place for vampires to hang out. They're like, No, it's our house. This is our this is our flat. Oh, there's also a scene where they explain what, like how they pay for their bills. Is um oh what's his name uh, Vladislav the one with the big like uh, mustache and and chin beard yeah um he he hypnotizes their telephone and power company representatives over the phone so he's like oh. on the phone going like yes yes that bill we paid the bill like puts on this voice every now and then <laughs> we've paid the bill <laughs> yes yes that that bill yeah. 
It's a man. It's a good movie. Um, anything else about Merlin and King Arthur you want to talk about? Not really. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just it's it just seems lazy to hire the same guy. <laughs> I guess, but I I don't know. Like it it won't happen. But the fact that they could do some kind of wink and nod at the camera kind of tie into his Once Upon a Time role like makes me feel okay about it. Uh-huh. I haven't actually seen the episodes of Once Upon a Time he's in, like unless I forgot he was in it before the, just, the Frozen season. I don't think Bay is that kind of director. He's not. That but, would have fun little Easter eggs to things that aren't him. And then his little Easter eggs is like a dude literally running down the street screaming Armageddon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not going to be a Bay Easter egg, but like those movies have such like sprawling crews working on them that I feel like there are people slipping in stuff, you know, in much more subtle ways here and there. Oh, like testicles. Yeah. Clunking together. That came from the CG company. Yeah. Man, the the official Transformers Facebook page at one point put up a video going like top ten funniest characters from Transformers the live action movie series. And the scene they showed for John Turturro, like of all the scenes to show to represent his best work in the films, was the scene where he's like, I'm under the scrotum or whatever. And I'm like, You had you had three movies worth of John Turturro to choose from. Yeah. You chose his worst scene. Good job, everyone. Uh, Seth, I have a listener question for us. It's a real happy one. Okay. So it's a real good time. So uh, you know, if you're if you're listening at home, you know, and, and you're you're in your actual home, like turn on some happy music. Uh, this will be a good time. This question comes to us from Enigma Two K Two, who uh, says, "Saw some videos that have me thinking." Here in the year 2106, we all have our favorite voice actors that give life to our favorite characters. And though we covet these guys, how often do we think about what comes next? And before I continue, Seth, I mean, like, I'm thinking, like, is he talking about, is he talking about, like, their, their birthdays? Is he talking about... I think he, I think he's talking about the Grim Spectre of Death. You might be right, because, uh, to continue on, he says, put simply... Who would you choose to carry on giving voice to your current favorite characters? To be honest, I don't have an answer because I didn't really give it any thought, and I'm the one who asked the question, damn it. So, Seth, um, let's say that all our favorite voice actors die tomorrow. Uh Uh-huh. Who do we get to voice our favorite characters after that? Uh, You just get Seth MacFarlane to do everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. You're done. Yeah, he's a talented guy. Yeah, he's the modern-day Mel Blanc. He's, he's worked with Patrick Stewart. Sure. Patrick Stewart doesn't work Why with not? chumps. No, and uh, other people, too. Yeah. He's worked with other people. I mean, we could take a load off his shoulders, though. Like, what if we got some other voice actors out there? Like, uh, Mako did a pretty good voice in Samurai Jack. Uh, he was the voice of Aku. Or uh, we could grab... Uh, you know who's ever done cartoon voices for a long time? Jim Henson? That might be a good yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, that was my joke from earlier, but okay. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm leading you in. I thought you had a list open that we that that we had put together with our scientific method. Well, I wasn't to, actually uh, in it. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, do you see? This is why uh, I'm not taking 
improv classes. Yeah. See, for me, I'm just going like, well, if we have the question about death and we have a list of deceased voice actors, we could just rattle that list off and just lean right into the darkness. Yeah. To be, I actually had a different Sorry. answer altogether to this question. Which Sorry. It wasn't an answer to the question with the question mark on it. It was the answer to the to, to the to the notion of should we even like how how do we get someone to replace these people like, like the questions come up many times uh, who's going to voice Optimus Prime what with Peter Cullen being in his seventies uh, when he eventually you know either unfortunately would pass away or just retire because maybe his voice can't take it anymore like who would who would do Optimus Prime from then on and I feel like the better thing to think about is do we need someone to like to do literally Peter Cullen's Optimus Prime. It's 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 still kind of a new thing that Peter Cullen is do, doing the Optimus Prime voice everywhere. We had years of other people voicing Optimus characters who all left a mark in some way or another. And I feel like the answer to the question is you get Optimus Prime to sound like somebody else. Well, I was thinking specifically about Optimus Prime. And when you look at the history of Peter Cullen doing Optimus Prime himself... Like, in G1, it was not as deep and raspy as it is now. It, it was a little lighter and a lot more country-sounding, mm. um, which made sense. I mean, is it early 80s, just coming out of the 70s, when you had, uh, uh, like, songs like Convoy as a big hit on the radio and Smokey and the Bandit movies. Truckers were cool, and now you have this robot truck. So you make them sound like a trucker from coming out of that that era. Um, I think somebody like John DiMaggio might make a good Optimus Prime. Yeah. He's I, got some of that gravel. you got some bass, but it's not as gravelly and bass. And maybe throw a little, little country back into it. I've been craving for John DiMaggio to play a good, proper robot Transformers character in a Transformers show for years. Uh, he played a human character briefly in Prime. He's one of the current live-action movie robots, but it's not much of a performance. It's just him saying lines, as a lot of the live-action movie robots tend to be. Like, I'd love to hear him do an, uh, you know, a, a more personality-oriented um, Transformers voice, uh, in, in, you know, sooner than later. Like, he's one of those actors where I can't believe he's not had more to do with Transformers yet. Yeah. Um... Like, I, you know, I, 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 you even just look at things like, you know, the unexpected stuff. Like, animated Optimus was a great Optimus in the vein of Optimus Primal. He was also a great Optimus voice. They took a very different, slightly more everyman approach to it. You know, like, like not, not, not like Joe on the street, more like Joe Soldier, but still like a very, uh, a less superhero, uh, approach to the voice that still carried a whole lot of personality and, and, and totally drove a leadership role in a great way. Uh, I think I've, so. I, I think that it's really whenever I see people worrying, like, "Oh man, what are we gonna do when you know in this era where a lot more voice actors are coming back to redo these roles? What are we gonna, what are we gonna do when they're gone?" It's like we're gonna do what we did in the '90s and 2000s when a lot of those roles were just done differently by other people, and there were more creative takes on them. Perhaps they were even somewhat different characters, like an Optimus Primal, you know? Like, it, and 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 I I don't mean to like devalue the contribution of, of veteran voice actors here but i feel like as far as the delivery of strong and engaging fiction uh it it, it really is, shouldn't it shouldn't be like 
cruxed on like, oh, are we going to keep getting this guy to come back doing this voice through his 70s, 80s, 90s, you know? Like, you got to be kind of open to the idea of younger, fresher faces doing their own takes on these caricatures that we are so attached to. That's how you have it grow. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like not just in Transformers, but in a lot of fandoms. Yeah. Fans want things to not really change. They just want it to keep happening. Um, so, like, even, like, you know, God forbid, Peter Collin dies tomorrow and they need to cast a new Optimus Prime. I could see fans pushing for another already been Optimus Prime. Yeah. And then... David K comes back. Not that there's anything wrong with David K. I love that guy. Yeah. But uh, why not something different? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 this is, some, you know, we're going to come back now to this, this Combiner Wars cartoon, which I have been keeping up with because it's five minutes out of each week. It's pretty easy for me to do. Uh, it's still kind of bad. But the the Megatron that they have going on in this Machinima Combiner Wars cartoon, I am kind of enjoying Partly because the voice actor is really doing his own thing. Um, I, I've said it before. I actually don't have much of a problem with several of the main voice actors in the, in the show. I think I have a problem with their lines, the things they have to say out loud. But this Megatron voice actor has a combination of lines that don't sound terrible. And he's doing this voice that's like you can pick out bits of other Megatrons in it if you want to. But it's not just a straight up interpretation of one existing Megatron. It's yeah. it's become very much its own original take in the very short span of time it's been able to do so. I would say the same thing about uh, the Megatron from the, the uh, High Moon Studios video games. Uh, both him and the Machinima Megatron are perfect examples of like a, a, a super strong Megatron performance of a character called Megatron who satisfies the caricature, adds his own little twists to it, partly through the voice uh, performance. And I, I think it's like a perfect example of like how you could proceed with without going back to the well of talent that already exists. And I agree with like, I'm not, if David K became the next voice of Optimus Prime for like the next like 20 years, I wouldn't be sad about it. Like, I'm not going to sit there gnawing my teeth going like, ah, oh, all you people, you fandom people. But you know, there's so many other people who can do cool stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm just worried that we've gotten to a point where, it's been so much Peter Collin lately, like the last several cartoons and all the movies, mm -hmm. that they would try to replace him with a sound alike, kind of like what they did in that Combiner Wars thing. This yeah, guy for, for sure. Sounding like Peter Collin, and, and man, like you know, he's he's doing a, a good enough job. He's he's doing a fine job, but like you know, uh, John Bailey's Optimus Prime sounds in several times i feel like i can hear that performance trying to like do something fresh and i can almost hear the one direction being given to him of being like no 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 do it more like peter cullen like you can almost feel that in the performance sometimes yeah. um and and like I, I i wish that that wasn't the direction being given you know <laughs> and if you got to do a peter cullen sound like i would like to hear a return to that more G1 little bit country truck truck driver sound and voice more than the like ultra wise I only say super deep stuff thing that Prime sort of turned into 
Yeah, like, we, I'm just going to repeat these catchphrases in sage-like wisdoms. And a lot of that came from the fact that he is now much older than he was in the 80s, and it was, like, the way for him to keep doing the role. So, like, like Peter Cullen sort of shifted the voice to suit the current state of his throat. And now it's almost like people are, like, wanting to get soundalikes and impersonators who sound like 2007 through 2016 Peter Cullen. And I feel like that, you know, what you're talking about with the 1984 performance, like a lot of those nuances are getting lost to time in a way. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with his voice changing. It's no, going to happen. No. Yeah, it's fine. But it, I'm more criticizing the way the character's been written lately. Yeah, that too. That too. I mean, and I think it's like, again, it works when they even write, like, writing that for Peter Cullen is fine. But then I think this Machinima series is a great example of like, they don't have Peter Cullen, but they want him so much. They're like, they're now writing around old Peter Cullen and creating a role based around that performance. And it's like old Peter Cullen was the result of like what he had to do to even sound like Optimus in 2007. So it's like all the character notes of the 84 performance are kind of gone. Like people are like, sound like Peter Cullen. He sounds like this. And they play a clip from the movies. And yeah. Yeah. It's like, everything I say is incredibly meaningful and solemn, and I'm so morose. Contractions <laughs> uh, are a sign of weakness. Like, who would want to hang out with Optimus Prime anymore? Like, <laughs> you think the other Autobots would be like, oh boy, here comes, well, I mean, here comes the boss. In, in Machinima Combiner Wars, they did exile him when they came to a peace treaty. <laughs> They're like, listen, Optimus, we can't, we, we're all, what we decided, we're all cool with, like, stopping the war if you leave. It's like, well, I'll make the grand sacrifice. Yes, yeah, make the sacrifice, but faster than this. The needs of the many, out. just that's, go, dude. That's Get not your even stuff. your, Optimus, <laughs> that's not your line, even. You can't just start taking them from other, why, get out. And Optimus is like, my windshield is still cracked. Like, good. <laughs> Here, I have a gold watch. Um, I have a built-in chronographer. Okay, good, good work, Optimus. Yes, you chronograph do have a, is the word I was fumbling there, around. There was a symbolism we were trying to provide with the gold. <laughs> you know what? We're keeping the gold watch. Just you, we, we got you a shuttle. It's already warmed. In fact, it's leaving in about three minutes. Okay, and if you're not on it, you're under arrest. So just go to get on the shuttle. Thanks. I've got rocket feet now. I don't need a shuttle. <laughs> Today we keep dragging the rocket feet. Jim, did you no? Okay. Well, what's the shuttle for? Why are we giving? You know what? Okay. Hey, Optimus, we need the. We're we're a post-war economy. We need the shuttle. If you got rocket feet, go fly to the moon. I don't care. Fly to the moon and then turn off your rocket feet. Just don't don't turn them on and come back here. Thank you, Optimus Prime. I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, exiling me. You, I, you exiling know what, me to exiling me to Moon Base Two doesn't seem like that much of a punishment. It always seems like in these last twenty years, all you've done is try to tell everyone how to do their jobs. That's all you do. Tell us how to do our jobs without contractions. Fine, but I'm taking the Matrix with me. We don't even want it. They invented that for your feature film. Get it out. Yeah, take it with you. Fine. We want to have a cat. We want to have a government. Optimist. Do you even know what a government is? Fine, I'm leaving. Just mail me my last paycheck. 
Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll mail it to you. Don't worry. <coughs> I'll <laughs> hurt myself, though. <laughs> <coughs> you're gonna you're gonna end up like Peter Cullen, needing to like smoke cigarettes before you can do the Optimus Prime roll or whatever. Does, wouldn't that make it harder? I don't know. Like, so Peter Cullen back in '04 at the first Balkan I saw him at that that dude was was he had cigarettes. He was an old timey guy. Yeah, he's old time. He comes from when that was like. Like, four out of five doctors say, cool cigarette soothes your throat. <laughs> what really worries me is, like, in 20 years, when we find out which thing that we all think is normal now was actually that, like, in today's society. <laughs> Turns out oh, toothpaste. I hear, be, I, I hear be careful with your vape juice. That's what yeah. I hear. Well, yeah. I, that's the, the, one. the flavored stuff has that chemical in it that will give you the popcorn lung. When, when vaping became a really, really big thing, that's where I sat there. I remember I sat there looking at the internet in, like, the late aughts thinking, like, hey, you know, I want, I, I wonder if everyone's thinking about how this is kind of the whole start of a new inhalable vapor, a new inhalable product. Like, are, we're all thinking about how the last one went, right? Like, you know, what, what would this being a way to get away from using the last one? We're all, we're all thinking about this. Yeah, popcorn lung freaks me out. That's... Ugh. Apparently, it's just the flavored stuff has the has the. It's like a chemical used in food flavoring, yeah, artificial flavoring, but inhaling it is bad news. Yeah. So I guess you'll be all right if you just stick to unflavored stuff. Oh, but where's the? F I mean, the whole thing's become less fun. Like it was cool back when everyone had those cyber cigarettes that looked like cigarettes, but they were like yeah. solid black. The little blue light on the end, yeah. Like that's that. That was and now the, it's like a big, like, section of PVC pipe with a mouthpiece on it, an LED readout. Yeah, I mean, there's something kind of cool about that in the future drugs kind of way, but it tastes like birthday cake. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I've been watching Deep Space Nine, and I keep looking for the moment when I see like the vape rig before vape rigs actually existed. Like whoever the person having the space drug. I think you'd find that faster in Babylon Five. Yeah. Yeah, most probably. There were some dark parts of that space station. Oh yeah. Was the brown brown sector brown sector? Yeah. Yeah. I love the episode where like the 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 emissaries from this race that's considering joining up come. And, like, their whole deal is they have, like, this massive superiority com complex to all other races. So, like, the, the actual ambassador, like, wouldn't talk to anybody. He had to bring someone that that was a lesser member of their race. Yeah. That, that was lowly enough to speak. That, like, this guy was deemed so lowly amongst his own people that he was able to speak to humans. <laughs> and... They're trying so hard to show like how cool they are that they would rank to to have these stuck up a holes join them, and then they get to the brown and they're like trying to keep them away from brown sector because that's the embarrassing part. That's where all the poor are, and then they're so impressed that they're they have this whole segment of their population, this poor workforce that does all the grunt awful labor for scraps that they're like, oh, humans are cool. For like this awful reason, <laughs> that was one of my favorite episodes. Because like, yeah, yeah, yep. I've been enjoying because uh, I never saw DS Nine all the way through, and I'm still trucking through. I'm into season four now, 
and I'm really liking DS9 having seen Babylon 5. It's it's actually really fun watching the other space station show. I watched them side by side when they were on initially. Yeah, man, I, I, I can only imagine Usenet back then. You know, before we had enough experience to identify uh, lousy fandom rancor, you know? Well, I, I enjoy both of them. My only real beef with DS9 is, like, I like the 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 little more grittierness of Babylon 5. I really like some of the, uh, some of the, uh, like space politics they do and some mm-hmm. of the parallels they do to like human history and stuff. Um, but, but or deep space nine is like one of my favorite star Trek series until like the later, like second to last, last season, when they get like way into Cisco being the prophet or whatever, like and then Cisco, the way they write Cisco starts getting kind of eye rolling to me. Mm. Like he starts feed like playing into being the prophet a little too much, and it's like oh, this guy's is he turning into a cult leader? What's going on here? I kind of don't <laughs> mind the idea of Ben Cisco becoming a cult leader. It almost it, <laughs> it kind of fits. The thing I'm liking about him, and I'm only like in the very beginning part of season four, is I I, I kind of feel like anything he does that's weird or makes me blink or kind of feels off kilter, he's such a broken character. It kind of just like works for me because like you're introduced to him losing his wife, and then he gets sent out to like the the like edge of the galaxy and then he's watching over this crazy wormhole where all these new alien races are coming through and he's like the sh- he's in charge of the of the big weird like space station controlled by three governments and like i feel like not you know anything he does i feel like b- feels justifiable in some way <laughs> and I, I just saw the episode where he he gets like hit with like a, a lightning bolt out of a warp core reactor and then like is going into a coma like through like decades of time and then like he He's watching his son become, like, an 80-year-old man and, like, then gets sent back to the point where it all started. And I'm like, at this point now, Ben Sisko is going through life carrying the knowledge of having seen his own son live to be in his 80s and then die in his arms. Like, anything he does, I feel, is justified now on a fictional level. It's kind of silly, but I don't know. (laughs) Knowing stuff came after it, I don't mind. Um, we were answering a listener question at one point, and I think yeah. we've answered it. So, Seth, it was, a, it was a question. Yeah, Galdicott is the best character in Deep Space Nine, by the way. He's pretty good. I don't know <laughs> if he's my personal favorite, but I am really enjoying him. It's 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 less that I think there's much wrong with him, and more that there are so many characters I like. <laughs> It's like, it's like he he rolls in and he's just a prick and it's like yeah this used to be my space station what else so I, I really I actually burst nice out Cardassian space station you guys stole I burst out <laughs> laughing in that bit when like they accidentally activate the old Cardassian security systems that's like gonna lock down the station and like flood it with nerve gas and then du- but... Ducat shows up and he's like well I could turn it off as long as you let me have a garrison of Cardassians on the station the whole time. And then they're like, what are you? And he's like having this face-to-face with Kira, just like, you know, enjoying every second of it. He's like, I'm going to go back to my ship and, and give you an hour to think about it. And he's like, one to teleport. Waits, like, one to teleport. And then an- another pre-recorded message plays. All the pre-recorded messages had been Gul Dukat. 
Another uh-huh. one plays with his boss from back when he was in charge of the space station, going like, ah, Dukat, I see you've tried to leave your 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 station and you tried to leave your post at the worst possible time. We're not going to have that happening, so to preserve your honor, we're now going to set the auto-destruct to happen and you're going to be on the station when it happens. That's what you get for trying to run away. And it's like, he was just, he was trying to gloat by leaving the station for an hour and then it detected it and was like, ah, Dukat, you're... You're, you're trying to be a coward. That ain't gonna happen. And then, so he got hoisted upon my own baton. He got thrown in with it with everyone else, and I, I, I started laughing pretty hard. It was a good time. <laughs> it was a fun yeah, episode. Some of your uh, Twitter activity revolving around the show has been entertaining. Been, been checking out my vines. Yeah. D- my discovery of like kind of how much I love, but also hate Miles O'Brien. <laughs> I, got, I should say, if anyone's been following my vines, I like Miles O'Brien. It's, I'm surprised how many things he does that are terrible. And so it's out of love that I make those vines about him. Like when Worf shows up and Miles is all getting try-hard, going like, no, I'm friends with Worf. I'll, don't, Worf, I'll introduce you to everybody. And then he's like, Worf is like, I've, I've never played darts. And Miles is like, oh, but all you, remember on, on the Enterprise, everyone always plays poker. Well, Worf, darts are just like poker, but with pointy <laughs> ends. Worf should have been like, we played poker. No, I don't remember you being there. Yeah. <laughs> like, if Worf is like, if he's just like, Worf's my buddy. We're, we're broke together on the Enterprise. And Worf's just like, like, didn't your wife run the the hydroponic farm or something? And like, yeah. doesn't even remember him as being the dude from the transporter room. <laughs> like, I'm, I admit I might be reading it with a bit of confirmation bias, but when I watched the Worf introduction episode, it felt like Miles kept running up to Worf going like, hey, buddy, remember me? And Worf kept just politely going like, ah, yes, Miles O'Brien. Yes. And like walking away. <laughs> and Miles kept like sneaking in going like, ah, no, don't worry, everyone. I'm going to introduce you to my good friend Worf. And Worf is just kind of staring off into space. Uh, like Worf gets a, he gets a, a new position where he goes from having a gold uniform to a red one. And Miles is like, ah, Worf, the red looks good on you. Worf like doesn't reply. <laughs> he just walks past him. Oh. Uh. <laughs> And Miles is, like, crappy to his wife, too, all the time. Like, she even brings up, and he says it. It's like, yo, Miles, when you don't get your way, you kind of turn into, like, a baby. And Miles is like, yeah, I kind of do. And he just keeps doing it. <laughs> like, every time something doesn't go, even in a life-threatening situation, something doesn't go his way. He's like, well, I'm Miles O'Brien, and I wanted to go like this. Ugh. I love Miles, but man. Oh, the other thing, later season thing that I don't care for in Deep Space Nine is when the Doctor becomes like the Super Mary Sue. Oh, like yeah, someone told me like there's some point where he starts becoming an action hero. Yeah, and, like, and it's it's revealed that he's like some genetically modified superhuman. I I heard about and the he, he'd just been acting goofy all that time to like hide it. I heard about the genetically mod engineered thing, and like I I've actually had that in mind it's it's been the way i've been able to accept some of the things that he does <laughs> like i'm not sure if that was intended in in the the early seasons but uh i don't know this so some of the stuff like i kind i kind of like building like the way that i see these characters like building all their experiences together i i kind of like where he's at right now in season 4 as the guy who showed up just like kind of being a, a bit of a miles o'brien to everyone just trying too hard 
Um, it, it's it's great how him and Miles ended up together. Like they're made for each other. Julian Bashir is like Jesus compared to Miles, though. Like he's some of the stuff Miles has done, where Julian's like almost mad at him, and then is like, you know what, Miles, we'll still play darts tomorrow. I'm like, what do you, what does it take to have Julian Bashir drop you as a friend? <laughs> like I said, he was gonna try to save a bunch of alien dudes who were hooked on some drug, and Miles was like, I don't trust him. They're all gonna kill us. And Julian's like, no, like, I actually, this guy, the one who's not on the drug is kind of normal. Miles is like, no! And then, like, flips out and shoots all of Julian's research. And is like, we're escaping! And then the one who, the alien's not on the drugs is like, no, you know what? You guys do get to go. I'm gonna sacrifice my life to let you leave. And then Miles' only response is like, I'm sorry that I did what I felt I had to do. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going like, Julian, just teleport him, transport him into, like, seven meters to his left outside of the shuttle okay just do it and julian's like i forgive you and it's like what does it take what does it take to make julian mad i don't know what it is uh anyway star trek podcast hope you're enjoying it uh here on uh, star trek world 2005 um seth would you like to talk about what we got this week sure because uh, i got some stuff i can talk about but i want to know if you've got anything you can talk about that you got this week that might be Transformers. Well, I just found a wiki article on the drug from Babylon 5, Dust. Oh, yeah, Dust. But, uh, yeah, I just found an article on that. Dust heads. Uh, okay, so I did get some Transformers. Hey! I got three different size classes. Whoa. I got I got Wheelie. Wheelie? Yeah, I got Wheelie. Um, that vehicle mode doesn't come together very well. So, uh, mine comes together well, as long as it, like, here's the thing that I think I've realized, and I've inspected it a whole lot. Those little tabs in the middle that look like they're supposed to tab in under the canopy, Uh don't. And the sculpt works if they're not tabbed in. I don't know why they're there, but they're, they're not a part of it. And I think that helps him... If it's like some, if you if you consciously ignore those, somehow his vehicle mode starts coming together better. But also, mine like the front tabs work really well, and I know that wasn't the case on Aaron's when I messed with it. But no, yeah. like none of the tabs work at all on oh, mine. <laughs> Super gappy. Like hearing other people complain that there were the problems with Wheelie, I was like, oh, it's probably just like nerd nitpicking. It's probably like a little flaw. And then I'm transforming, and I'm like, oh, no, it's worse than I thought it was going to be. Yikes. Yeah. This is all done goofed up, which is too <laughs> bad, because his robot mode's good. His vehicle mode should be fine. The colors are all cool. Um, yeah, it just doesn't work out um, all that well. And then I was kind of led to believe that it's hard to get a Titan Master into him during vehicle mode. Mm. Um I guess what I was interpreting as it's difficult to get somebody in there as, as to it's hard to keep him in vehicle mode as you're putting something in there. Cause arms and legs just start moving around. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like treacherous to get the Titan master in like, oh, I'm going to break his legs off trying to wiggle him in or something. Oh no, no. But, yeah. It's no. just like, if you have a wheelie who is not holding together well, then it's only exacerbated when you try to put a guy in the cockpit. Um, well, then I, uh, huh? 
I'm just I'm just inspecting mine to see if I can explain how the front works better, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. Well, mine's downstairs anyway. Yeah. Uh, then I got Gihalvatron. Gihalvatron. Yeah. Um. So I think I like his weird space jet mode more than his cannon mode. Me too. Even though the wings are just like his legs, um, there's other aspects of the shape that appeal to me. Um, then with his head, so where the head connects, where you plug the head in, mm-hmm. I find it very difficult to take the head on and off. Okay. Like, it really clicks in there and takes a bit of pushing. And then it really pops when I pull it out. Yeah. And so I, I'm i now putting the head back on for the third time. I have successfully removed it and replaced it a couple of times before. Now this is the third time I'm removing the head. Head comes off, fine. Big pop, popped off. Now I'm going to put it back on. And I'm having a hell of a time getting it back on. Like it's not clicking in. And I'm, like, straightening out the Titan Master's head, making sure it wasn't at the wrong angle or something. And I'm starting to worry how hard it is to push in. Like, it took a little bit of a push the other two times, but this time it seems like I'm pushing really hard and it's not clicking in. And then I'm pushing it and there's a crack. Oh, I know what happened. Right. And I'm scared because I think I just broke the head off of the Titan Master. And I I pull it back up, and the Titan Master is fine, but that white piece where the clip is got pushed down into the torso. Oh, weird. Okay, that's not what I thought happened. Yeah. So now when you open his chest up, like where that the face mask frame <laughs> folds down into his chest. Yeah. So this like the kind of spring hinge that that face frame is on that white piece is also attached to so i can pull that down farther and it just swings on that springy hinge but i haven't been able to push it back up into place yet man it's like there's no clearance there like i don't believe that it's supposed to do this it's like some sort of safety feature that if you push too hard, it will come free instead of you breaking it. But so where the, the clip bits stick up, there's no clearance getting it back up into the hole. And it's a it's a very small, awkward piece. Like I can only get one finger in there and it's kind of hard to push it, but just like a single finger. Um, so I haven't been able to fix it yet, but uh, I figure eventually I'll get it back up in. That's a new one to add to the list of weird things that have happened to people's Galvatrons, because there are, there are a whole bunch of people, you know, enough to be a gang, uh, whose Galvatrons like the, the thing <laughs> that have I... Matching jackets? <laughs> yes, they're, they're, they're called the Galves. They have all these metallic purple jackets. No, oh, I'm gonna start my own gang for my problem, and it's gonna be Hell's Galvatrons. You're gonna have, you're gonna have like, uh, Takara like, lavender jackets? No, Stand black away from leather the... vests. With black a... leather? Uh, yeah, with uh, a Galatron head on the back. That'd be cool. 
But there are a bunch of people who had the uh, headmaster's ball socket, like for the little head, crack apart, like inside the socket. Um, and apparently someone had that happen with their Japanese one, too. Uh, I've found all my Canadian release guys have pretty decently working head sockets compared to the feedback I read from a lot of the first run American ones. So I think that running changes have happened, and I think a lot of the ones in the States may still be from the first run. Not saying that it's universally fixed any problems, but I've had exponentially fewer head socket problems than a lot of the other people I talked to who got them really early on. But the head sockets are like, in, in that first wave, I heard stories all over the place about how those things work. Yeah. Well, and I'm also kind of considering not fixing it because I can now just sort of sit the head on its place. Yeah. And it sits at the level it should be to fit in that crown frame thing. Uh, There's just nothing keeping it there. Yeah. So, like, if I pick it up and turn it to a 45-degree angle or something, then it will fall off his shoulders. But if he's just standing there on display or something, it will. It sits in the right position. You would never know unless you touched it. Yeah. So I might just leave it like that instead of continuing to tempt fate with breaking it in a worse <laughs> way. And how do you feel about that, uh, that, that crown frame? It's not good. Yeah. But... I guess it's the only way they could do it to make it look more like Galvatron. I feel like there were other ways maybe that one could have done it. Maybe. Um, I kind of like the whole reveal thing when you have it spring flip up into place. Yeah, no, that part's That's cool. That's okay, but but I mean, like just the the size of the spikes and stuff, I don't know if you would have been able to put that onto a Titan Master itself. I just feel like something that that would have cupped on a little more rather than than like I find it appears like it's just hovering in front of his face. Yeah, it's it's like he's looking through a window or something. Yeah, like like if it, if it reached back a little bit and kind of you know occupied space around the sides of his head more or something, I feel like there would have been a slightly more effective result. But yeah. As uh, it, to me, it's 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 one of the the handful of things that like for a toy that has lots of things about it, I like. It's amazing how much I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I think the colors are great. Yeah. I love the the transparent orange cannon barrel. That's all good. It's just yeah, there's a lot of disappointment around the head situation. Like I, I like I like both his alt modes. I think the jet alt modes kind of a revelation to me of like I feel like we finally have an alt mode that would be suitable for a G1 style Galvatron to have instead of a cannon mode like if we want to kind of start getting away from like the cannon is iconic but it's also sort of dumb if we want to get into something that's a bit more practical for an alt mode like that sort of jet you know with a bit more streamlining feels like it could go somewhere uh yeah and I don't really see a reason to get away from the the cannon mode for Galvatron. I like it. It just yeah. just something about the way it it comes together in this situation. It's it doesn't seem it it feels more closer to a fan mode than actually intentional. And then because of you know trying to make something out of Galvatron as a secondary mode, i.e. the jet space jet thing 
then that suffers from also being a little fan modey, just with the way the legs are. Mm-hmm. Like I love the cockpit fuselage part. I love the giant cannon sticking farther out from under the nose. Like that's something you see in several instances, like the swordfish from Cowboy Bebop and yeah, and some like bullet hell type shooter games. Um, which is a, a design thing that I think is neat. I yeah. like it. Yeah, there's there's, um, there's a real shmup feel to that jet mode. Yeah. Like, I could see if they tried to develop that jet mode as being the only alt mode, they could have done something more interesting. Like, maybe it had some wings that came out of his shins or something. Yeah. Um, that, that just didn't look like two giant mechanical parts <laughs> kind of coming off at angles off the back of this cockpit <laughs> but uh yeah so galvatron has problems like he does a lot of stuff good but the bits that are problems kind of stick out like sore thumbs yeah um but he's mostly good mm-hmm. i guess that's how that's my review scale is mostly good he's he's a mostly on the good scale and then i got optimus prime yeah the leader the big leader and i don't know how other people feel about it but i feel pretty underwhelmed i have a question for context sake for myself did you get and enjoy at all the leader ultra magnus that he's a retool of i guess i didn't realize that was the the ultra magnus that came with minimus anibus yeah yeah i have that you like that i guess i didn't really i yeah, I really like that. Crazy. Okay. Damn. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize it was a retool. Yeah, they're they're he's a heavy retool of that toy. Okay. All right. I was just curious if if you were like because in my case I'm underwhelmed by him, but I was also underwhelmed by the Magnus, so I can like kind of connect the dots there for me. <laughs> oh. Oh. I was actually having trouble getting him into his vehicle mode properly, like. I couldn't get the feet up all the way out of the way. And, like, I just opened them, like, an hour before we started recording. So Mm. I haven't had a lot of time to mess with it, but it didn't really do a lot for me, like, the initial um, impressions. Yeah, yeah. I I know a lot of people who really like that toy, and I I have fought a whole lot to kind of understand their viewpoint better because i feel like he's not terrible i just feel like he's really middle of the road (laughs) yeah well the the extra helmet bit that comes up over the tight master is good yeah that works um i think it's kind of funny how the tight master sits in the cab for truck mode (laughs) um just sort of hovering in the middle there when you (laughs) open it up um but yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's like, it's just okay. It It's not wrestling my jimmies. And I'm enjoying the deluxe size. Like, out of all the size classes, the deluxes are doing the most for me. I'm enjoying the deluxes far more than every other size class so far. They've got the most meat to them, I think. Like, I, like so far, actually, I think if I was going to pick out a favorite toy from the first wave right now, it, it's probably Sentinel Prime. Uh, from the Voyagers, but 
I think if I, you know, the, the deluxes generally have been doing more for, for less money than any other toy on the line. Yeah, it's the deluxes are, and they seem to be like in the sweet spot between what they're trying to do and what they could afford to do within the budgets. Yeah. And maybe they're trying to do too much with the smaller guys and maybe they're they're running up against the budget too much on the larger ones where it's like they're they're trying to do something more for the bigger figures but the budget is holding them back so then they have to compromise and yeah like, like in the, ways that hurts the Gal- larger figures galvatron feels like a toy that if he was a leader toy he would have turned out in a way that i would have liked him more and like sentinel being the other voyager toy in wave one the way he i feel he succeeds more is he isn't trying to like part like what really screws up a lot of galvatron is that crown gimmick and sentinel just doesn't have that like he has these little pylons that pop up next to his head but his head is just his head so it means that i don't have this like att- this like attempted carefully engineered system that tries to add a crown to him where it maybe doesn't entirely work and then I look at, you know, Blaster and Optimus Prime, who add stuff to their heads much more simply and in a way that works much better. And so I'm like, Sentinel just, like, I'm hoping that the future Voyager toys are more like Sentinel, where they aren't trying to add a whole lot of accoutrement to the head. Because you just end up with these Headmaster guys who, like, that Galvatron head doesn't really work on anyone else right now. Uh, the way that it is, it just it just looks weird, because it, it's sculpted to expect that crown. Uh, and Sentinel's head isn't. So, yeah, the budget thing, I think, messes with some of the weaker ones in the line. But, like, with, with Optimus, like, um, is there anything specific you find underwhelming about him that you can you feel like you can call out? His arms. Mm. Like, the way the red just sort of stops and becomes silver on the backs just feels kind of unfinished in a way. Kind of like those panels are bolted on. Yeah, kind of. Hmm. And, yeah, I mean, just in general, it seems like there was a better toy there than what ended up happening. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to take the wind out of anyone's sails. It's just I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised how many people have treated that, that Optimus as an event of a toy. Especially since he's also a retool, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm like... Like, I've seen a lot of people just going, like, finally. And I'm like, I guess, you know, like, I've been happy about toys no one else cares about. So I can, it's neat to be on the other side of the coin. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't really, like, I don't really have a feeling of, like, oh my God, they screwed this up. Like, all these aspects of it are bad. Yeah. It's just that there's nothing or very little that is that impressive with it. So it's not that it's bad. It's just kind of. Okay, well, but what else you got? Yeah, and like I'm, I'm one of those kids who grew up with Power Master Prime as their Optimus Prime, so like I, I understand that perspective a lot. But even with that, I just, you know, <laughs> it's not quite enough there for me. The base mode is like the fact that his base mode is weaker than Blaster's base mode, and I understand how because he's a he's a retool, whereas Blaster is built from the ground up. But like Power Master Prime, like. I feel like should have had a base mode, you know, like something that I would, I'd feel more excited about than, than how I feel about what, what came out. Uh, cause his base mode, have you tried his base mode? No. 
Yeah. I haven't done it, that yet. Kind of like stuff happens, but then just sort of stops happening. And then it's like, it's done. And you're like, no. <laughs> I feel like more is supposed to happen before, it's, I'm, before I'm done here. Um, well, I'm glad you're, you're, you're getting a hold of some Titan stuff. Especially with, it seems like, the entire planet now getting a hold of Wave 2. Yeah, uh, it's starting to become easier to find. It's in more places sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to start looking for Wave 2. Because they're deluxes, and that's where they're winning, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm hyped to get Deluxe Wave 2, because that finishes the original, you know, main Headmasters as well. And, like, I'm so excited about that, you know, that collection of characters in this line being done by Wave 2, because it makes the rest of the line just gravy to me, of, like... You know, I'm not looking at anyone thinking, that's great, but I really want... Hi, brow! It's like, alright, the ones I want are done... Do whoever you like, Transformers. I'll take any of them. <laughs> um, my own on topic, what I got are entirely off off brand, unofficial toys. So uh, it's gonna get a little bit gray in here. Uh oh. Uh, uh oh, Spaghettio. Crin came down to visit and brought with her some things uh, that I had ordered within the States that she received for me because she's awesome. She came down? She came down to Canada, yes. I, oh, man. I Something in my brain is pet rebelling. That's a lot pet of, peeve of mine. That's I know. pet peeve of mine. You're not alone. It's a pet peeve of a whole lot of people I know. I, I don't know why that, I guess, fuels my subconscious to just keep doing it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she came on north up. <laughs> to Canada. You go up north, down south, out west, and back east. That's the way it works. That's the way it works in North America. I don't. I can't talk about other parts of the world. Well, here in Canada, we do things our own way. <laughs> I know what I said. Uh, the smallest thing I got was... Uh, the new DX9 legend size pieces, Toefold and Leah, which are uh, oh. Cup and RC. This, this photo I sent you, you see how in that photo RC looks like she's a bit smaller than Cup? Uh-huh. What would you, would you believe me if I told you that RC is actually about a half head taller than Cup? As soon as you started pointing out, like, do you notice how she looks smaller? Then it's like, oh, I bet she's huge. She's she is she's not like huge. When you look She's at her by huge. herself, but the moment you put her next to Cup, when you look at the two of them in robot mode next to each other in the clamshell in the box, I'm like, did this RC get upscaled by like 10%? Because she looks too big by about 10%. And I have a feeling, because her engineering has a lot of small, thin parts, I got a feeling like she wasn't going to be that large. She could probably, probably be a bit smaller and ended up having to be scaled up a bit to not snap to pieces. Um, and it's a bit of a shame. Uh, Does this, her little stand add to that, or is that without her little stand that's in this picture? Her little stand definitely makes it worse by about, you know, a, a couple centimeters, but even without the little stand, she's, like, she's, she's, it's not so much her height, but also her head looks like it is physically larger than cups. Like, she looks like, you know, the diagonal drag box when you resize something. Uh -huh. Like, it looks like that happened to her. Like, like her proportions, her head is specifically of a wider diameter than Cups, in a way that I find, like, and not just because of the shape of her head, because she's got the Leia head, but 
It's, she looks like she got upscaled ever so slightly. Um, they're both really nice robot toys, you know, pocket scale toys. They both have really cool transformation schemes, which are the highlight of the two figures. Their vehicle modes both suffer in small ways, cups especially, uh, where it, it, it bums me out because they have really cool transformations where the meat of the transformation scheme is super cool, but then it feels like the toy was considered finished at that point. And like cup, like cup turns inside out to turn into a vehicle in a really cool way. But then if you look at his vehicle from the back, his arms are just sitting there in the back of the vehicle. And if you, and then his head facing the floor is just sitting there at the back of the, of the, uh, the pickup truck bed. And it, it just all feels like stuff that was supposed to have a panel fold over it or was supposed to fold away just a little bit more. They both have an unfinished feel to them. Uh, which I was hoping to not get from this DX9 Warren Pocket stuff, because that, that was the same feel I had from their Cyclonus. And then they finished their Cyclonus and re-released him with some minor retooling that made him infinitely better. And I really hope that doesn't happen with this cup, because it's going to make me want to stop early adopting their stuff uh, on this scale. Um, it, it sucks to say that, because like kind of like with Galvatron, there's so much right that's going on, but the, the parts that don't go right really distract from from the parts that did go right um so i wouldn't say i like outright don't recommend them but i would i would really recommend like getting a good look at them in person beforehand if you can uh those were the small things i got i also got two larger things uh, i got unique toys provider which is an unofficial take on octane uh he's considered by many to be masterpiece scale and then considered by those same many to be about a half head too short to be masterpiece scale and then people start talking about scale in the third party forum and i start hearing the sound of spiders everywhere so i don't really care spooky spiders he's just a big neat octane uh the the highlight for him is that his transformation scheme is incredibly cool uh, the way that the wings are formed out of that truck, it's its very hard to describe, and it's, like, pleasurable to go through. Um, all his modes suffer a little bit here and there. Uh, hes I would say he's, he's not, like, a perfect toy for Octane, but he's a magnificent transforming robot toy, especially if you're tactile-oriented like I am and really enjoy a good transformation scheme. Like, he, his transformation schemes between those three modes are incredible. Uh, the, the only major bummers are his truck mode looks, looks really unpainted um, due to having to also be the body of the plane uh, in some ways. Uh, then his robot mode... His wingspan is friggin' enormous, and I kind of wish that there was... You see how on his wings, like, there's sort of a painted design, but then the wings continue past that a little bit? Like, yeah. past the purple stripe? I really wish you could fold his wings back at the end of the purple stripe to make them about an inch shorter on either side. Because they, they just managed to look a little bit ridiculous on him when you look at him from the front. Uh, also, his heel support kind of sucks. Um, it's not like he's going to fall over all the time, but it's difficult to get him into an action pose and also stay standing, I've found. Uh, and he's really bad at holding his gun, in my in, in my experience. But those are all, like kind of, to me, kind of side things, given how incredibly cool his transformation scheme is. 
Um, also, I learned when you rotate his wing sections around for robot mode, you have, you have to do it one way. The instructions suck at communicating this, and if you do it the wrong way, you unscrew the wings from the internal gear and they fall off and you have to disassemble his torso to screw them back in, which thankfully was not all that hard to do, but was quite perturbing to do on a brand new figure. Um, watch a video review if you want to learn how to transform this guy. His instructions are bunk, uh, and that, that's a real shame given how good his engineering is. Uh, the third thing I got was another triple changer. This is DX9's Gewalt which is a, an enormous Blitzwing toy. Uh, he's huge. He's huge. I, I kind of like how huge he is. I uh, have all the best Blitzwings. Hey, maybe someday I'm going to have all the best Blitzwings. The best, most classy Blitzwings. And then I'm going to be the president. We're going to make they're going to make all the we're going to make all the Springers pay for it. All the best Blitzwings. Um so this guy is again one of those masterpiece scale ones. Uh, where then an enormous argument happens and blood starts coming out of my eyes. But uh, to explain his height, like, he's enormous. He's bigger than most other Masterpiece toys. Um, bigger than my house. Bigger than my house. His, his tank mode is massive, and then his MiG jet fighter mode is, like, bigger than a Masterpiece Seeker's jet mode, which I understand to be accurate for the MiG fighter in real life, so that's kind of cool. Uh... Much like Octane, the highlight of this guy is that his transformation scheme is an utter joy to go through. It's legit hand candy. And then where this guy has a massive step up on Provider, Octane, is that he feels dead friggin' solid in all three modes, and I'm not feeling like there's a massive, easy-to-point-out problem with each mode that I wish was fixed. Um, his tank mode does have a problem that I don't care that much about, which is... That you, you see on the tank how you can sort of see the cockpit of the jet mode in the front. And there's a bit, you can see a bit of the, his yellow helmet next to it. Yeah. Um, his head is sort of just asymmetrically sitting there under the front lip of the tank mode next to the cockpit window. Uh, it's not like his head is looking out there. It's the underside of it. But uh, there, it's a little bit messy there. And in the back, his purple tail fins are kind of messily stacked up in the back of the... They're not the ones you can see, but like underneath the back of the tank mode, there's a bit of an asymmetrical, messy panel stack from his tail wing, uh, tail fins. Uh, that stuff doesn't bother me that much, but there have been a lot of people saying this is the worst tank mode in the history of Transformers. Um, his robot mode takes a few liberties as well uh, for the sake of having a good transformation, which I don't mind because it's for the sake of a good transformation. Uh, he feels incredible. Like his joints feel so good. And the transformation is all chunks. Like, the way he turns into a plane is you put your two fingers under that purple ramp in the front of his tank mode and just, like, friggin' peel the tank mode open. And you've done, like, half the jet mode transformation. Uh, it's fantastic. Gavalt is, like, a strong contender for my favorite toy of this year so far. Uh, I'm in love with him. Um, he's just very large. There are a lot of people who have an issue with having a very large Blitzwing. I don't... So I guess I'm really well off because he, he's the hand feel factor on him is through the friggin roof. Uh, and if you at least get a chance to play with a Gavalt, I, I hope you do out there. Seth, you, dear listeners, all of you, people who like transforming toys should get a chance to mess with a Gavalt. It's, it's a real success as far as a tactile toy experience. Um, and that about does it for my on topic what I got. So I got me some unofficial triple changers and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying them. I've, I've found... When it comes to triple changers, 
I care less about the overall looks and more about do I feel satisfied with the transformation? And I feel like that's that's good for triple changers. What with them having more transformation? So I'm real satisfied. I, I got a damn good blitzwing. Um, that's yeah. Uh, that's that's all of our on topic. What we got, uh, Seth. Are you ever going to be in the market, do you think, for Masterpiece Triple Changers, or are they just enough on the side that they don't fit the budget right now? Yeah. Like, uh, these unofficial things. And then, I don't know how much they cost, but the size you're describing, that fake Blitzwing, um, I'm assuming would put it in a price range way beyond what I could think about. Like, to go he's... for a third-party thing now, it's got to be something really special for me. I think the Blitzwing is 140. I'm going to go double-check. That's not too bad, then, but still. Yeah, he's, he's 140, yeah. Yeah, it's it, that's, again, part of the reason I liked him, is that like, he is massive for under 150. But it, it, it's been interesting, as someone who just can't connect with that conversation, like, just watching people who like and dislike his size on a scale level, like debating how he's like taller than Megatron and like whether or not that works um but Seth what we got this week off topic edition have you got anything to put into that pool I do ah damn I have two of the figures from the Marvel X-Men wave is that the wave with the Deadpool in it Yes. Okay. And the Juggernaut build a figure. Yes. Um, I'm. I really. I can't decide what I want to do about this wave because I really like that Juggernaut. Juggernaut's one of my favoriteest comic book characters. But there's other figures in the wave that I just. I. I don't care about. Modern spiky Iceman. Uh, the Rogue, like the '90s Jim Lee Rogue, is is cool. Um. I'm not familiar with this version of Havoc, like this Havoc design. It's okay. So it's like, I'm constantly like, I don't know, do do I want these couple of figures? I don't care that much about because I want to build a figure. And I found the entire wave um, about a week ago. And I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. So I just got the two that I knew that I wanted the most. And then I'll figure the rest out later. So I got Deadpool and Kitty Pride. So I have an older Kitty figure. This one I think feel is better. Mm. Just all in all better sculpt. The face sculpt is is really good. Uh the body is good. Um good articulation. Um I haven't compared it to let me see. I think I have the Spider Gwen here. I'm not sure if they if it's that same buck or not. Yeah, where is she? It's a good buck if it is. I mean, it is a good buck. I'm kind of away from the microphone right now trying to yell back at it. No Um, worries. I've been there. No, it's a different body. It's a larger body. Kitty is significantly taller. Like, almost a head taller than Spider Gwen. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, she's a big girl, apparently. (laughs) Um... It's it's still a good body. Like I would have liked to have seen more articulation in the Spider Gwen body, just to kind of bring her up to more closer to Spider Man levels. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
But anyway, I really like the face sculpt on Kitty. She comes with a Lockheed who's just sculpted in a sitting pose, has no articulation whatsoever. He is very small. Um, you could kind of hook his tail around the back of her neck and then he kind of sits on her shoulder. Sometimes he kind of pops up and it looks like he's just hovering over her shoulder, but it's good. You could attach Lockheed in some manner. Uh, so she's good. She comes with uh, an arm. All right. Uh, one you, thing with Deadpool, huh? Can you swap that arm onto her? No, it's kind of too big. It's the uh, Juggernaut arm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, whenever I get Build-A-Figures with parts that I can feasibly swap onto the figure they come with, I always try to, because usually it's heads. Oh, yeah. Well, Maybe. she comes with a, um, like a, uh, a Magneto-helmeted head. Oh, I wish it was just a helmet, because you could, like, stuff the helmet yeah. onto her. <laughs> well, I think it's for some juggernaut thing yeah this is a very big head oh no that's for um the onslaught that had like that onslaught wave where it was red skull onslaught oh so if you wanted to put the other head on then you could buy this wave and get that head yeah yeah okay well i got that head now all right um <laughs> i didn't get the onslaught wave um then the the deadpool does not come with any part i know for, for juggernaut which um, he more than makes up for it with coming with hella accessories. I want that Deadpool so much because I can buy him utterly guilt-free by himself. Yeah, and I think it's really smart because there was one more figure in this wave than there were parts. So instead of just having like a doubled-up part as had happened in like more back in Toy Biz Marvel Legends days, um, and being the character that. I think most likely a certain section of fans would want over anything else in the wave. I think it's smart not to have him come with a juggernaut part. Super smart. It's what got me interested. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he comes with like a, an RPG rocket launcher with a boxing glove on the end. And the boxing glove pops off. All right. So you just take it off if you just want it to look like a regular rocket launcher thing. Um, it comes with some weird, like, space-looking rifle and a grenade launcher, two pistols, a dagger, and two swords, a taco, and an unmasked grinning head. And you can't really hold the taco in a convincing way. Yeah, I... You uh... can wedge it into his hand, but then he looks like he's not... Dude, like he doesn't know how to eat tacos. I found I found myself agreeing with this, uh, someone I saw on Twitter who said, for all the stuff he comes with, they would have very much been happy to ditch one or two weapons to have some alternate hands instead. Yeah. And I feel like, yes, I would agree with that. I would have easily given up this weird-looking rifle thing for a couple of hands. I'm looking at a picture. That looks like a cable gun. Like one of yeah, cable's looks weird. Like the sort of thing cable would carry around. Yeah. Uh, I can live without the grenade launcher too. I mean, it's fine, but you know, whatever. Um, but this is one of those, if you only get Marvel figures, sometimes this is one of those ones you should probably get. Yep. Cause it's really good with articulation and stuff. And 
I feel Deadpool is like super overexposed right now. And at first I was like, a Deadpool figure, Pfft, whatever, Deadpool. Uh, but it's it's too well done to pass up yeah. for reals. It's an excellent Deadpool figure. No, it's I mean, just an excellent, excellent Marvel figure. So It looks like a perfect figure to go along with my Taskmaster. Like just these, like they that looks like a good you know partner figure. So I have like two weird looking comic book mercenaries. Yeah, well, and the cable figure that's in this wave looks weird in my opinion. Yeah, and then if I get him, I have Juggernaut's literal crotch, and like I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Iceman and the Cable are the two figures that. Or like holding me back from the rest of the wave sort of a thing. So I, I was watching coverage of the whole wave coming out because I, I had the moment where I was like, should I just order a, you know, a case because I just want the Deadpool, but maybe I'll like the other ones and I you know, decided against it. There's the thing about that Iceman figure that's really wigging me out. And it's like, so he's Iceman and he's fully clear blue, right? The, the part where they gave him toes like just makes him suddenly look like a naked man to me. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I, I don't know why it's messing with with my perception of him, but now whenever I see him, I'm like, that's a naked guy made of water, and uh, seems weirder. It actually makes him more enticing to me than like half the other figures. Cause I don't, I don't have much connection to the rest of them. But yeah, like at some point, he stopped. Like Iceman stopped being a dude that covered himself in a layer of ice. To he just turns into ice. Like he's living ice. Yeah. And then he got spiky. And that's where I'm not so into Iceman. Yeah. I always have a bit of a toy connection to Iceman. Because way back in the day, that, that, that older line of Marvel figures, the Iceman who came with like the ice bridge where you poured water in it to, to like have him ride around in a little ice cube. Like, uh... There was a version before that who changed color and like that Iceman was like one of the very first super rare toys I ever heard of. Oh, so I, I always have a with Iceman. I always kind of have this, this weird like kind of connection between him and toy collecting in my head. Who made those toys? I think that was Toy Biz. Anyway, I just I'd like feel like Bobby Drake turning into living ice is the simple comic book thing. Yeah. Like, I turn into a rock man. I turn into a metal man. I turn into an ice man. Like, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of him covering himself in, like, ice armor better. Yeah, me too. It, it just seems cooler to me. Cooler. Get it? Get it? It seems cooler. I don't have my air horn noise seems handy. Cooler. Thanks, Seth. I was worried that that was going to be an unfinished segment of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so there. Oh man, it's just the, the bile right in my mouth for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I got both of Reinhardt's new skins in Overwatch. Hey, I was just for a split second. I thought you were going to say you got an Overwatch toy, and I was about to interrogate you. Man, if there were Overwatch toys between besides um, the Tracer Pop vinyl, I might be interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping yeah. my ear to the ground if I can. 
so there's a new map. It's like a German village, kind of a country village. Eichenwald, or Eichenwald, however you pronounce it. Eichenwald. Cool map. It's one of their, like, kind of hybrid maps where, uh, where there's a you have to take a point and then escort a payload. Uh, but what's kind of neat is the payload is like this battering ram. And the last checkpoint before the finish, it smashes down a door. Ha! <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, I and I don't, man, like there, there must be less people playing Overwatch. I'm having such a hell of a time getting into games anymore. You just wait forever in matchmaking, and then every then enough people quit after every game that you have to go back into matchmaking, and it's just oh, it's aggravating. I've got to imagine that after the big rush during the Olympics, there must be some fatigue among at least some yeah. of the player base. Like they just need some time off. Yeah, and I've heard some people theorize that there's that um, World of Warcraft expansion coming, so people oh, yeah. have flocked back to WoW. Well, if that's, to get ready. If that's the case, they'll be back to Overwatch within about a month and a half. That's usually the pattern with MMO expansions, I find. So. Oh, I inadvertently yelled at somebody over the microphone. Uh-oh. Because I didn't realize my connect was on. <laughs> and that was pulling audio. And so the the weekly brawl... Uh, mode will like have some weird rule like you can only use these characters or you can only do this or blah 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 um so this one is you could only use the female characters um so i went into a game just just to try it um nobody takes healer as usual so i'm like fine i'll just play mercy and there's a guy on the team with a microphone and he's just griping constantly like do your job, Mercy. Play your class, Mercy. Heal your tanks, Mercy. Just bitching the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I am. I am healing. But Mercy can only heal one person at a time. Um, And he's playing D.Va. And he's just standing stock still, blasting away with her guns. And that's not the most effective way to use D.Va. Um, and then finally, I just get frustrated. And I start... Yell! I I think I'm just yelling at the TV. Like I don't realize the microphone's on. I'm like I am playing my class. You curse word. <laughs> you don't want me to heal the tanks. You want me to heal you. You son of a bitch. <laughs> and then I didn't realize until going into the next game, like with a whole different group. Mm-hmm. Like somebody comes on the microphone. Is like who else has a microphone? And then I noticed it's picking up my girlfriend and I talking to each other <laughs> in the room. Like I noticed my little name blinking on as the microphones broadcasting. Oh, I guess I do in it unintentionally. And then I realized, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> we were yelling at that guy because she joined in and she's like, yeah, this guy's a piece of garbage. Blah, blah. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh no, that guy heard us yelling at him. She's like, well, he deserved it. He sucked. <laughs> That that guy heard you yelling at him, and I guess said nothing in response. Yeah, it like dummied him up. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
Like, yo, don't try not to yell at each other on the internet. I will. I'll just. I'll throw it out there. But also, I yeah. love it when someone who yells at their TV, not realizing they're heard, makes some loudmouth just clam up and you know get on with playing the game. Yeah, and then last night, so for the new map, there's a a game mode that it's just only on the new map. So it's just you're just playing the new map. That's it. Um, and I go into a game, and there's a bunch of goofy kids in there, and they're all on microphones now, and they're all screaming, and they don't they think it's funny if we stop fighting and we just all be friends and wait for the time to run out. Mm-hmm. So they're just all gathering up and doing the emotes and the hellos and the thank yous to each other. And then somebody will decide they don't want to play along with this and start fighting. And then everyone gangs up to just kill that one guy. Well, the people on that guy's team go, stop it, stop, stop. We're friends, we're friends. Peace, peace, peace. And I'm like, this is really annoying. But I might be able to get an achievement out of these idiots. So <laughs> I'm going to switch to... um. I'm going to switch to uh, McCree because he has an achievement for if you kill four dudes with one use of his high noon. And I'm just going to wait until they all gather up together and I'm just going to dust four people all at once. (laughs) And then I did and I didn't get the achievement and I remembered, oh yeah, you could only do that in competitive or quick play. You can't get achievements in brawls. (laughs) And I was like, damn. (laughs) I just listened to these screaming kids for a half hour waiting for my chance to line up this shot and didn't get anything out of it. <laughs> Darn. At least you got to have that nice, you know, classic moment of just blasting four people in the face in a video game. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like, at least there's that silver lining, right? Yeah, and when the game did end, I got play of the game out of it, so... <laughs> Were they, so were they all just standing anything. in a clump and then you blew them away? <laughs> yeah. So that just, was play of the game? <laughs> yeah, all of their team, all of my team, everyone was gathered around the payload, like, climbing on it. Like, people were sitting on top of the payload, standing next to it, and I just go, it's high noon. Quadruple kill. <laughs> I love the idea of the play of the game, like, with all the presentation around it, just being four people all clumped together, getting blasted. Yeah. <laughs> Like, how do you set this one up? <laughs> uh, well, I don't have anything off topic really to talk about myself. Yeah. I haven't got any fresh gaming to, to to really speak of. I think they tweak some of the algorithm for play of the game, though. Because I've been seeing a lot of play of the games that have been, like, super unimpressive. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on with play of the game, but it's like... Someone getting a kill and then turning around and shooting somebody else and that's it. And it's like, really? That's the most exciting thing that happened the whole game? Something else must have happened. I'm like, really? Because I got a triple kill in that same game. But this guy that shot two people far enough apart that it wasn't considered a double kill. I don't know. All right. (laughs) I don't know. Man. When I go in there, I want to have my first experience with Overwatch properly to just be getting play of the game for something insanely mundane, and then I'll retire. Top of my game. probably will. It'll probably be your first match, too. 
All right. You'll do something by accident, get play of the game, and then you have to quit. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm out of here. I'm going to retire as the best Overwatch player in Toronto. Goodbye. Um, well, I think uh, unless there's anything else uh, pressing, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, uh, I should mention, people may have noticed, I, I heard from a lot of people that suddenly our entire library of episodes got pushed to everybody's podcast feeds as new episodes. Uh, so number one, enjoy the old episodes if you really want yep. to. I got them. Uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I think I know why that happened. And it's not going to happen regularly, I don't think. There might be some double up on 421.22 and this one, 423, if that happened with the other ones. But we'll see what happens. There's some behind-the-scenes site stuff actually going on, it turns out, that I uh, think might make for a slightly more interesting podcast posting system anyway uh if any- i didn't mind getting them because i had lost a bunch of the old episodes yeah and they and for whatever reason i couldn't find them through itunes anymore yeah our old our old rss fe- our old rss feed listings had all been becoming like super janked up so uh if this new system means that all the old ones are now easy to get at that's only a good thing i think and it seemed a lot of people were really uh, at least quietly tickled by seeing those old episodes coming up. Someone said they listened to like one of the first ones and we were joking about like, hey, I wonder if they're going to do a hot rod toy that comes with a fishing pole. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it sounds like us now. Yeah, no, that's, that's what we're like nowadays. Um, so yeah, if that did happen to you, it seems like that happened to everybody uh, and it was not triggered by me. But I think I know what triggered it. So stay tuned for developments, ladies and gentlemen. Trigger um, warning. <laughs> too too late. It was already pulled. <laughs> anyway, Seth, thanks for joining me today. Um, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back with some more WTF and TFW in your future of this timeline, and maybe even a few others. Get me, but you got some badass perpetrators and they're here to stay.